PerformerStuff.com presents In the Holding Room with Christian Abbott. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me in the holding room. I'm Christian Abbott, and you're listening to the podcast that brings together Broadway professionals and industry insiders to help you crush your next audition. And man, do we have some professionals here today. We have an amazing episode with a West End leading lady and a Broadway leading lady. You're not going to want to miss this episode. In Performer Spotlight today, the amazing Rhea Jones is here, going to talk to us about her story, her audition experience, and being chosen by Hal Prince himself to be Ava Perone in Evita. In my Thank You Five segment, I'll be talking about note-taking to rehearsals, but also journaling as an artist. And in Professor's Corner, the incredible Kim Criswell is here. Now, we had a conversation about her performance career and auditioning, but she's also a highly sought after teacher. And so I'm gonna drop you in into the middle of a conversation that we were have that I think you'll find incredibly insightful about picking songs and being confident in who you are for your audition. So all this coming your way on this episode of In the Holding Room. Performer Stuff was created to meet the needs of folks just like you, performers, educators, and professionals in the entertainment industry. At Performer Stuff, you can search our online store for monologues and music for your next audition or to use in your classroom. On our More Good Stuff blog, you can access hundreds of articles and how-to lists created just for you by industry professionals. There are dance and voice classes and workshops at PS Academy. Plus, you can download podcasts and shows just like this one featuring performers and entertainment pros from around the world. Basically, it's an online community just for you. So check out the website at performerstuff.com or follow us on social media. Today in Performer Spotlight, an incredibly talented woman whose accomplishments would take me far too long to list. So I'll just give you a few. She was chosen by Hal Prince himself to be Ava Perone in Evita when she was 18 years old. She then went on to her very next show, which was Chess. She then went on to do Grizabella in Cats. She was the narrator in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. She was Fontaine in Les Miserables. And as some of you know, I collect all Les Miserables recordings. So I have her recording of the Manchester cast of Les Miserables. Most recently, she replaced Glenn Close in Sunset Boulevard on the West End. I couldn't be more thrilled to welcome to Performer Spotlight, Rhea Jones. Rhea Jones, it is so wonderful to be speaking with you. How are you doing? Hello, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm wonderful. With all that you've accomplished and all that you've done on stage and screen, I, I know you have a lot to offer our audience in terms of your experiences and and you what you've done to kind of achieve some of those things. And I was wondering if you could maybe take us back to one of your auditions and, and walk us through that experience so that we might learn from it. Oh, well, when I first started out, auditions terrified me. Um, and then someone gave me a great piece of advice once. They said, just remember when you walk through that door, they really want to like you. Cause you think as soon as you go through that door, oh, they're looking at me wrong, they don't like me, I'm wearing the wrong thing, I'm going to say the wrong thing. Straight, everything's going through your head, you know, straight away you're, you're putting yourself in that negative vibe. And I, you know, I wished years ago someone had said it to me earlier, you know, when you walk through that door, they really want 
to like you. They want you to be the one. So be positive and think that way as opposed to they don't like me straight away, you know. Um, but and then, of course, you know, you always have that. Do I look at them when I sing? Do I look just above? Do I look in that? You know, all these things that are going through your head when you should be thinking about what you're singing about. <laughs> and that's the hardest thing, I think, to just stop, relax, and don't don't worry about where you look. Just try and be in the moment, be in the lyric, and be in the story of the lyric. Um, with musicals, um, I often think it's harder to cut through the cut through the song. Um, people say, oh, you know, musicals though, they're 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 easy, whatever, and you you know, you don't really have to act to be in a musical. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> big, big, big. Big mistake. Introduce me, me to those people. I want to set them straight, please. Exactly. <laughs> For me, it's harder because you have to cut through the music to get across to the audience the lyric and the story. Um, because at the end of, uh, of a song, if you said to somebody, did you enjoy that? What was the song about? Oh, I don't know. But I, it was a lovely look. You think I've not done my job. So you have. that's the most important thing is to, um, you know, Think of the lyric, think of the story. Um, and I've had some good auditions, bad auditions, but one that sticks in my mind, there's a wonderful, um, sadly she's not with us anymore, fantastic comedy writer, um, Victoria Wood, who wrote uh, many wonderful plays. And she wrote a musical called Acorn Antiques, which is uh, based on a, a drama, TV drama series over here and I was auditioning for the very glamorous role of one of the sisters called Bonnie so I went to my audition dressed as glamorous as I could you know with the makeup and the hair and the heels and everything and I sang my songs and I thought well, it went quite well and then a couple of days later I got called from my age saying you've got a recall I said oh great she said yes for Mrs Overall and I was like what? Now, Mrs. Overall is a, is the child, the tea lady, you know, with a hump in her back, hair net, flat shoe. And I thought, I thought I was really glamorous for that audition. What do you mean they're calling me back? But anyway, um, I went back to my recall and uh, it was very funny because we were told um, we had to sing a comedy song and it had to be in a northern accent. But... Um, the song I chose to sing was called The Alto's Lament. I don't know whether you know it. It's a wonderful uh, comedic song, which is basically about an alto singer who all her career has only ever been in the chorus singing the alto line and is desperate to play a lead. And the whole song is very witty, going through lots of musicals, but constantly singing the alto line through them all. I thought it was a funny song. And when I sang it, I think Victoria might have smirked once. And uh, and I thought, oh, this isn't going very well. And I finished the song and she said, that was great. But um, I asked for a Northern accent. And I said, but I thought it was funnier in a Welsh accent, which is my my hometown, Swansea. She said, no, if I asked for a Northern accent, I wanted in the Northern. I thought, fair enough. She's right there. I thought, that's it. I'm out, I'm out the door. And she said, but no, I'd love, I'd love you to sing another song. And they'd asked for um, a song of choice. Um, as well as a comedy song, a song of choice that would show your voice off. So I chose The Man That Got Away, the Judy Garland version, and um, Wherever He Ain't from Mac and Mabel. Okay. Um, so I said uh, to Vic, well, I've got, and she said, well, you choose. And I, she said, I like both those songs, you choose. And I said, no, you choose. I thought, she's the director. And she said, no, 
you choose. And I was like, oh, here we go. It's like a stand and said, okay, I'll sing The Man That Got Away. And she said, no, sing wherever he ain't. <laughs> I was like, that oh, she's baby here. So I sang wherever he ain't. But to sing, I asked if I could take my shoes off because I had heels on again because I'm quite short. I said, before I sing, can I take it? She went, yes, of course. So I don't know why, but I took my heels off to, to sing the song. And that was it. And then literally two days later, I got the call to say I got the role of, of Mrs. Overall. And months later, when we got to the rehearsals and I said, we were laughing about my audition. And I said, I said, I was just so amazed that you called me back for, you know, Mrs. Overall. And she said there was something in you that reminded me of Julie, Julie Walters, who played the role. Um, in the West End and she said and then in your recall when you took off your shoes to sing the com she said I don't I just thought that's 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 Mrs Overall that's something that Julie will have, will have done and that's something as she said and I, I just uh, yeah that's what did it for me so and it was one of my favorite roles to date um, it's a very very well written comic musical theater show so I'm not sure whether the your American audiences or, or or anywhere else in the world other than Britain will know of it, but if you get a chance, Google um, Acorn Antiques the musical. It's very very funny. Yeah. All right, we sure will. It was directed in the West End by Trevor Nunn, and uh, it won many awards. Um, and then I did the national the national tour. Yeah. Wow. I think the. The, spe the specificity, ooh, if I can say that, of their request uh, is something that creates a lot of nervous energy in people who are coming back for recalls and callbacks. Like, oh, they want, like you had a Northern accent and they want it to be a comedic song. And I think some preparing some of those things and having them in your book so that they're ready to go at a moment's notice is, is important. Oh, definitely. I mean, when I first started out, you know, I honestly, you just, I just took one or two songs. But nowadays, you know, um, when I do masterclasses with students, they have uh, like books full of different, you know, styles. If they want a more uh, classical sound, if they want a pop sound, if they want uh, comedic, or if they want a pop ballad, if they want a big, ballad. there's so many different ones. And the more you can have, um, to pull on in your audition, uh, you know, is is great, I think, definitely. Had you ever taken your shoes off in an audition before like that? No, that was the first time. And I don't even know to this day why I did it. It was quite bizarre. I just took them off. I just thought I wanted to be grounded, more grounded for the for the song. Yeah. And I felt, I felt strangely comfortable with her, even though she was testing me big time. She was really testing me and playing with me. And I just wanted to take, yeah take my, my high heels off and get feel more grounded so you know yeah yeah maybe maybe in an agent call I don't know about an open call when you're just in there for 16 bars asking the you know casting director can I take off my shoes and get out he'd remember <laughs> you though hey he'd uh, remember you <laughs> that's true that's true you gotta yeah. make you gotta make yourself memorable <laughs> You know, if I may, you know, you were the youngest person to play Ava Peron in Evita. I mean, at 19 years old, with that—that's a lot of pressure to carry a show like that. But landing that role, you know, and convincing that creative team that someone that young could handle the responsibility 
of carrying that show. What was that audition process like? Actually, that, that, was, that was really memorable because when I first auditioned for the role of um, the mistress when I was 15, 16, and um, I was still living at home then in Wales, and I'd gone up to London for the audition. And they told my agent at the time that I wasn't right for the mistress, but I was definitely future Ava Perron material. She definitely, um, you know, she's got more of an Ava voice uh, about her, but and we'll keep her, her details on file. Um, and then lo and behold, two years later, I was 18 and I got a letter then, um, and I've still got the letter with the Evita logo, the original logo, um, in old typeface saying that you auditioned for us for the role of um, the mistress. And we're now looking for an alternate Ava Perron for our new production um, at Manchester Opera House, because it was uh, the first time it had ever been done outside of, of London. And would, would I audition? Um, and I went up to London and uh, on the train and got to London and went to the wrong theatre, first of all. I went to the Prince of Wales Theatre oh, no. and it was the Prince Edward Theatre. So I remember running across London um, to the Prince Edward, get, get into the stage door with like, <gasps> just about being able to breathe. And they said, um, are, are you, will you be all right to to go straight through. And I said, yes, rather than, you know, I was so young and naive, rather than say, I'll just have a moment to catch my breath. Yes, yes, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I remember walking on stage and it was the set, uh, the original set, and it had all the, the you know, tram lines and everything on the stage and the revolve and um, this huge theatre at the Prince Edward, it's it's vast. And in the auditorium, and it was all dark and dark, was Bob Swash, who was the original producer and his assistant. And I went on stage and I sang and um, the, from the from the audience, it was like, that, that's lovely, Ria, that's great. Now, we'd love you to come back um, next week to see how, and this is the gospel truth, to which I said, how who? No, you didn't. <laughs> oh, I absolutely did. I absolutely, how who? And they, there was like silence like this and, and I just so I, and I said oh okay thank you he said that was great he said I said and he said I said yeah they want me to come back next week for Hal Hal something he went Hal Hal Prince I said yeah he said I said who's Hal Prince <laughs> and he laughed he went that's the director I said oh oh okay Great, still not knowing. Go home to my mum. My mum said, how did it go? I said, went really well. They want me to go back next for Hal Prince. My mum went, Hal Prince, the Hal Prince. And I, I said, well, you know him. How? And she said, Rhea, he's one of the biggest directors ever on Broadway. And I was like, oh, suddenly it hit me. And I was like, of course, we didn't have Google then. We didn't have any social media, mobile phones, nothing, you know, the stage newspaper was all we sort of, I would read or, or, or watching films. So um, I didn't really know. Anyway, I worked on, they sent Rainbow High. Mm. I had to go back and sing Rainbow High and um, Argentina. And I worked, my mum was a pianist, luckily, and I worked on the two songs. And I remember Buenos Aires was quite a hard song. Yeah. And, uh, but I worked on it and I, you know, pretty confident. So up I go to London on the train again the following week. 
and I go to the right theatre this time. <laughs> and uh, I'm slightly nervous because of this Hal Prince. You know, all of a sudden, knowing who he was, I was a bit nervous. Walk on stage, and they in the auditorium, and I can hear Hal's print. Hi, Rio, would you like to start with uh, Buenos Aires? I said, yes, yes. They sang Buenos Aires, and they were like, great. And, and Argentina. So I sang Argentina, finished Argentina, and this gentleman came to the front of the auditorium to the front of the stage and did this to me. This was how I always remember him. He's just charming with such a twinkle in his eye. And he said, so I've just been asking him, Bob, why we've not seen you before. And now I hear you're 18. And that's probably because you were still in school. And I laughed and I said, yes, probably. And he was so lovely. And he said, so uh, how would you like to play Ava Peron? I went, really? said, yes, I'm offering you the role of Ava Perron there and then. Wow. And, and I'll never forget it. And I just, I was overwhelmed. I was so, so delighted. And I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. You know, just delighted. And um, ran to the stage door. And of course, it was payphones then. Rung my mum and she was screaming. And it was just, yeah, it was unbelievable. And then, there and um, then, right there. And I started rehearsing there and then, you know, because nowadays you have about eight, nine recalls before you can get to the director and then you've got to wait. But he literally, I'll never forget it, walked up to the front of the stage and just talked to me and offered it to me there and then. And, uh, and we rehearsed in Cecil Sharp House in London, in Camden Town. And he was just incredible. And his assistant, Ruth Mitchell, they were both there and um, Stella, the, the original choreographer. And it was just magical. And I learned so much just observing, you know, and uh, I that was when I was 18. And then I turned 19 at the beginning um, of the run of the show. So I was actually 19 when I first, first went on. And I always remember the first, the dress rehearsal Catherine Evans, who was main Ava, because they always have an alternate, alternate. Um, she had a sore throat. So I had to sing Ava while she mimed in the way I sang in the wings and she, 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 she mimed. So she did everything and mimed and I sang. And then the bits I had to be in for, for the ensemble, the chorus, I had to run back and do. And then, so I'd be standing in my chorus uh, a position singing in Argentina while she was on the balcony. So I was singing it and she was miming it. It was bizarre. Wow. That was, um, I always remember that. Yeah. Well, let me, let me take you back a few steps. So you, you get the letter, you know, you're auditioning for this specific role. Uh, what did you sing? What did you bring with you to the audition to sing for Ava Perón? I can't, I should remember, shouldn't I? I mean, gosh, I, I think back then, again, I was so naive. I probably, I, I should think I would have sang something. If not, I'm almost sure I would have sang Memory from Cats. Definitely, because I used to sing that a lot. Um, and, or I would probably do if they wanted more of an up-tempo number, if they could see me now from Sweet Charity back then. Um, sometimes maybe New York, New York. <laughs> Okay. I sang that for my Joseph audition when I was 16 for the narrator. Yeah. I sang um, New York, New York. And it was so funny because at the audition in Pineapple Dance Studios, it was my first ever audition up in London. And all the rest, they were all there with their Sylvia Young t-shirts, Italia Conti. And I just rock up in my 
sort of Michael Jackson leather jacket and trousers and seeing New York, New York, and they're all doing Sondheim and everything. I'm thinking, I've got no chance here. I've got no chance. And I got the job. I got the, I got, I got the job. So I found that quite, quite amusing because I always wanted to train. I always wanted to go to London and study musical theatre. But back then it wasn't an option because there were no grants. So unless you had very wealthy parents, it was impossible. Um, and also now in Wales, there are colleges that offer musical theatre courses. But back then there was the only ones that um, were doing musical theatre were, were up in London and I just couldn't afford it. So I chose experience instead or it chose me <laughs> um, <laughs> but if I had my time again I'd love to have studied I think it would have been interesting to see how my path how it would have um, you know the film Sliding Doors yeah. how, how it would have if what path I would have taken if I had studied or the one I chose or it, as I said it chose me so yeah. yeah I mean you wouldn't have gotten out of university until you were past uh you know 20 21 and so yeah. that you know that avita opportunity that you know joseph opportunity they they would have passed you you and would have been yes. in school and That's you never right. would have auditioned yeah because i went straight from evita at 20 into chess my first yeah. western show and then i went straight from chess literally finished on the saturday opened on the monday in cats and i was 21 so i did all those shows before i would have you know yeah as you say graduated yeah yeah you would have you would have missed it all. Who knows? I'm yeah. I'm, I'm glad you chose the the path that you did. It's look, funny look. I did so so many parts when I was young for an older actress. I mean I, I yeah you know. And so when I got to my sort of thirties, I'd done all the roles really that I should have been doing in my thirties in my twenties. That's <laughs> crazy. It's a bit crazy that one. Let me ask you. You know I when I was eighteen. I started dancing in EFX with Michael Crawford in Las Vegas. And I was eager and I was green. And a lot of the dancers around me were like, all right, greeny, let's calm down, you know, but I, I wanted it so bad. And I, and I had it, I was there, I was, I was in the cast. Yeah. Uh, you were young, you were in the, in those big shows. And, um, and even, even now when you're doing shows and you see those, those kids making their debut, you know, one of their first professional jobs, you know, what advice can you offer them throughout their rehearsal process and and maybe even in their performances when you're when you're just that green and that eager? I do you know what I'd say write everything down. I wish I had. I really wished I'd kept a diary of performing and how I was feeling, good and bad, on each day of rehearsals, or if I've learned something that day, or if something made me uneasy or if I wished I'd write I'd written it all down um so that would be my advice with a pen and paper write everything down that's so great on, on this show we talk about taking notes um you know about the things that our guests say like oh you know that you know write that down remember that that's a good one put that in your journal but just having that specific journal for your performances for your rehearsals for your acting you can have mm -hmm. one at night to put down your thoughts and your feelings and maybe your goals and accomplishments and your gratitude but having that one for rehearsals for your shows I think is is incredibly important and we we take notes as the director or choreographer gives us actions and things you know so we don't forget them you know but 
of being intentional with your notes about what you're learning and what you're observing and what the professionals ahead of you are accomplishing and how they're treating each other and those connections. And and, and humility, remember that you really must because, you know, directors pick up on it. You know, I often have friends of mine who are very well known in the business directors that will ring me up and say, Rhea, what do you think about this person? You, you know, I, 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 um, how are they in, uh, in, you know, and I, I think, you know, they might be doing that about myself too. So I always think just remember to always and and respect, you know, uh, when I first started in the business, I so respected the older actors or, you know, even to my, um, my dressers, you know, and stage door guy, you know, huge, you know, you have to respect everyone. And um, sometimes I see a lack of that in, in, in young performers. And I think, Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, so, and I, and I always say, you know, just, just, just do your job and, and listen, but definitely write everything down. Oh, Rhea, it has been such a pleasure. I, I can't thank you enough for your time, but I'm not quite done with you yet. If you have a few more moments, I would love to bring you back for our lightning round. Whoa, that sounds exciting. <laughs> yes, please. Rhea Jones, here we are. We're back. Are you ready for the lightning round? Yes. Scared. Yes. <laughs> okay. oh, don't be scared. It's just 15 okay. silly questions, gut reactions. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how quickly you can make it through it. All right. Question number one. First Broadway soundtrack you ever obsessed over? Uh, Follies. Go-to song when singing in the shower? Um, one Moment in Time, Whitney Houston. Cake or pie? Uh, cake. Show you wish you could go back in time to be in. Um, oh gosh, so many. Anything goes. Who is someone that if they punched you in the face, you would not be mad? Ethel Merman. <laughs> if you could do one show for the next five years, what would it be? Sunset Boulevard. Say good day, mate, in an Australian accent. Good day, mate. Oh, right. I have to say this one of our better ones. Good job. <laughs> Stephen Sondheim is writing a new musical based on your childhood toy. What is it? Uh, a little hand puppet monkey. That wouldn't be creepy at all. Okay. Stephen Sondheim, <laughs> with that. Something Norma Desmond about that as well, isn't oh, it? Yeah. <laughs> South Pacific or Oklahoma? South Pacific. Okay, these are two candies that I haven't had a lot of success talking to English people about, or people from Wales, so maybe they, uh, Sour Patch Kids or Swedish Fish? Oh, Sour Patch Kids. Okay. Is that the right, Sour Patch? Sour Patch Kids, yes. Are you just guessing, or do you actually prefer that candy? I know the Swedish Fish one, but for sure, sure, but the Sour Patch, they, they just, I love sweet and sour, so. All right, you'll love them. <laughs> okay, I'm going to Google them. Which animal brings more joy to the world, squirrels or llamas? Squirrels. <laughs> Go-to cast album when on a road trip? Gypsy. Duet you enjoy singing both parts to? Tell him. <laughs> Next superhero to have a Broadway musical? Oh. 
I don't know that many superheroes. Catwoman. No, Bionic Woman. Oh, either one of those. (laughs) I like it. All right, Rhea, I show up to an audition. You haven't heard me sing, watch me dance, seen me act. What do you typecast me as when I walk in the room? Oh, Guido from Nine. Man, I will so take that. I will so take that. Definitely. Rhea, it has been such a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you for indulging me in the lightning round, but thank you for sharing your story, your experiences and your lessons. Thank you so very much. If I've just helped one person, then it was worth everything. That's it. That's it. I, I look forward to talking to you soon. And I look forward to the world opening back up and seeing you back on stage, please. Oh, let's hope so for everyone, especially for the young performers out there more, more than anyone. All right. Well, thanks again for your time. And I'll talk to you real soon. Thank you. If you have a huge audition coming up and you don't want to search through the same old monologue books, check out performerstuff.com. Our custom search feature lets you narrow down exactly what you're looking for, get a quick preview of the monologue, then print it out. Plus, lots of materials come straight from the playwright, so you won't walk in with the same monologue as everyone else. It's the easiest way to get your audition or classroom monologues. Search, preview, print at performerstuff.com. How wonderful is Rhea Jones. Rhea. Thank you so much. Uh, A couple of things I just want to mention real quick. Uh, I love how she gives the advice of writing everything down. That is something that I'm going to talk about in my next segment of Thank You Five. But write everything down during the rehearsal process and have that journal that will help your artistic career. So write everything down. I love that advice. Also, let's all be careful about asking who, especially when they're throwing out names like Hal Prince, Be careful how you ask that stuff. (laughs) Oh, Rhea Jones, I can't thank you enough for appearing uh, on In the Holding Room. I wish you all the best. Thank you very much. Today's Thank You Five, I want to talk about note-taking and journaling and the importance of them. Now, you just heard Rhea Jones talk about one thing she would tell her younger self is to write everything down, and I wholeheartedly agree. Now, when you begin the rehearsal process, it is required of you to bring a pencil and write down your blocking, write down your notes, uh, write down your choreography uh, in your script. Uh, Oftentimes, or sometimes, you have to give that script back when you're done. So you got to go through and make sure you erase everything. So uh, I I also highly encourage you to bring a nice journal or uh, that you can write in and take all those notes in, you know, write diagrams of your blocking, you know, write down your choreography, write down your notes in that as well. But also write down the notes that other people are getting too, that you find insightful or inspiring and maybe you can apply yourself. Always listen to every note that the artistic creative team is giving everybody. Don't just wait for your name to be called. Take in all the notes because they may tell somebody something one day and they don't want to tell you the same thing the next day. So listen to all the notes and write down those ones that really inspire you or you find insightful. Also write down you know, any observations you have about the company. You know, maybe there is a company member in the cast that has had a great career. You know, what are they doing? What are they talking about? Maybe it's just a performer who is just one step ahead of you. What are they doing? How are they conducting themselves? What are they talking about? 
Are they talking about an album, uh, a, a show, a performer that you've never heard of? Write it down, figure it out, you know, go and research that a little bit. But anything that you find inspiring that maybe you could use in the future or reflect on through the rehearsal process of that show. You know, the first time I was dance captain, my choreographer, Nat Horn, told me, never sit down. A dance captain never sits down during rehearsals. And I wrote that down and it's been 35 years and I still remember that lesson. So write those things down. But I also want you to transfer them into a journal in the evening, right? When you get home from rehearsals, you're not done learning for the day. You need to rest and recharge and eat and be healthy, but you also need to reflect on what happened that day. So the next day you're ready to move forward and nobody has to reteach you anything because that'll be very frustrating. So review those notes, review what you learned that day, but then transfer those things into a journal. Keep a journal by your bedside because as artists, sometimes it's hard to fall asleep. We have a monkey mind that just jumps and jumps around. And it's hard to fall asleep at night. But if you journal and you take the inspiration that you learn throughout the day or the lessons that you learn throughout the day and put them into your own personal performance journal, it will do a lot to calm you down, to ease your mind and give you a reference to look back on. A couple other things that you need to keep in mind you know, without a good night's sleep, you know, you only heal when you sleep. So your voice, your throat, your body, you only heal when you sleep. You only learn because of sleep. You have a big show to learn. You have a lot of choreography. You have a lot to learn. You need a good night's sleep in order to retain all that information. And you only grow while you're sleeping. You don't grow during the day. You don't grow when you're awake. You only grow when you're sleeping. So all those muscles, your height, your hair, whatever it is, you know, make sure you're getting a good night's sleep and journaling will help you do that. So write down the lessons of the day, the inspiration you got through the day, the suggestions you, you got through the day, but also write down your gratitude, write down three things every day that you're grateful for, because one of the things it will do is it'll make you pay attention to what you are grateful for especially if you never write down the same three things, then you're going to be constantly looking for gratitude. And that's a great way to live your life. Write down gratitude every single day. Write down your affirmations. What do you want to be? What do you want to have? Even if it's the same affirmation for six months in a row, write it down every single day. And also write down those ideas. Get those ideas out on paper. That way you don't lose them. And that way you're not trying to think of them while you're trying to fall asleep. So write down those ideas and maybe it's worth coming back to in, uh, next week or in three or four years. What was that idea I had? Oh, there it is. It's right there. So journaling can't be more important. And I'm thrilled Rhea Jones mentioned it. And I hope that you take advantage of the power of journaling. Lots of great books, including The Artist's Way, which Shawn Michael Flowers mentioned the other day. And I have right there on my shelf too. So lots of great books, lots of great resources. Get into journaling. You're going to be glad you did. And with that, thank you, Five. If you need music for an audition or a voice lesson, Performer Stuff's got you covered. PerformerStuff.com offers not only full music sheets, but also 32-bar and 16-bar cuts, pre-selected by our on-staff music directors with an intro and easy-to-read sheet for your accompanist. If you need some help practicing, you can download an audition bundle with the sheet music, a vocal lead, and practice track. Plus, the audio on the track matches the sheet music, 
so you can walk into your audition knowing exactly what to expect. As always, our search feature makes it easy for you to find what you're looking for. So when you need music, come check us out at performerstuff.com. Like I said at the top of the show, two amazing performers on this episode. Of course, we had Rhea Jones in our performer spotlight. And now in Professor's Corner, the amazing Kim Criswell will be joining us. Now, she is going to be featured in our performer spotlight segment next week. But our conversation was so good. And she is such a highly sought after teacher of musical theater that our conversation started to get into tips and tricks and other stories. And I wanted to take you and drop you into that conversation that I was having with Kim Criswell. And of course, Kim, an incredibly accomplished performer. She was in the original Broadway cast of the first of nine she was in the original Broadway cast of Baby, and she was the original Grizabella in the Los Angeles production of Cats, just to name a few of her credits, because they are a many, including a Helen Hayes Award for her performance in Side by Side by Sondheim. So I'm gonna drop you now into the middle of our conversation for Professor's Corner, it's Kim Criswell. When you're working with your students on auditioning uh, material, song prep, is there any particular guidance that you provide them when they're choosing a song? Yeah, I mean, I try to get them away from the modern crop of musicals because, you know, that everybody's doing the same songs. Yeah. And if you're sitting in that audition room and, you know, somebody's coming in every five minutes for eight hours, you're going to hear certain songs 25 times. And by the end of it, you're just ready to bite somebody if you ever hear that <laughs> song again. Whereas there are certain songs, and I'll point these out to, to my students and say, listen, you don't know this old Jerome Kern song, but everybody I know goes, ah, oh, when you start this song. So picking a song that is just loved and not done enough yeah. is... Uh, like uh, they didn't believe me that old Jerome Kern song. Yep. I had a director friend that was just like, Oh, I just melt anytime anybody sings that and nobody sings it enough. Yeah. And there are quite a few of those songs. Um, you can, you know, obviously you need to pick a song that you can, I, what I try to do is find a song that could have been written for that character, but wasn't it was written for a different character in a different show, oh. but you can hear this guy singing it. Yeah. You know, at, um, there, you know, you can you can almost always find a David Zippel song that can fit in to a show with full of David Zippel songs. <laughs> it might be from a different show, but you can almost always find one that will make him go, "Wow, you know that one." But as you say, if you have twenty five other people singing the same song you are, you better have your own stamp on it, or they're going to automatically tune you out because they've heard it. 25 times that day so that's a if yeah. you all if you do have a more modern song that's pretty popular you, you better have your own stamp on it yeah i mean it absolutely and it it's the other thing i tell my students is it's not necessarily a good idea to go digging around in pop songs yeah. and trying to find theatrical audition songs out of them because they're not i made a pop album and i can tell you those songs are not chosen for anything other than the the hook they're not chosen for the lyric. They're not chosen for the storytelling. Mm -hmm. There are exceptions to that. There are great pop writers. You know, Jimmy Webb is a great pop writer. Sting, Billy Joel, you know, there are a lot of them. But um, standard pop music 
isn't storytelling stuff. So it doesn't show them anything about you as an actor. Yeah, Absolutely you, nothing. How are you gonna, what, what character are you developing that you are you portraying? What, what, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. You need to, you need to have some kind of an angle, a story that you're telling. And sometimes, you know, one of the things they used to do with us at CCM, uh, Oscar Kassarin was the vocal coach and we would all have a coaching class every week. And there was so much emphasis from them on us using our imaginations and reinterpreting songs to mean something else. Sometimes yeah. I remember one of my, one of my um, co-students one week came in with, you know, the old Rogers and Hart song, wait till you see her. Wait till you see her, see how she looks. Wait, wait till you hear her laugh, you know, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah. Lovely little love song. Yeah. She came in and sang it as if she was singing over a coffin at a funeral. Whoa. Wait till you see him, see, see how, how he looks. Wait. You should have heard him laugh. Oh, wow, <laughs> it was good... funny and macabre. I mean, this is the this is the imagination. Like if you did that with that song in an audition because it was appropriate for a character you're playing, like for the Adams family. Yeah. If you're aud auditioning for Wednesday Adams, <laughs> do something warped like that. Oh, man, what do a great warped. What a great idea. Okay, Adams family is, you know, the the rights are available. There are lots of colleges and, you know, theaters doing Adams family now. What a great idea for a Wednesday audition. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just twist something around. I mean, there's a song I've always wanted to do in a club act. You know, the the old Fred Astaire, uh, he did it in a film. I guess I should have changed my plan. That one. Um, Decent Schwartz. Um, I always wanted to sing it in a club act as, uh, as if he's gay. And that's why you're singing it. All of it works. I should have realized there'd be another man. <laughs> what a great exercise. What a great take a song. To, there are ways to reinterpret so many things. And yeah. it, it's about just using your imagination. Because you know what? If it tickles your funny bone, it will probably tickle theirs. You know, comedy is a funny thing to try to get together. But if it make if if you think something's funny, uh it's and it's not a copy of somebody else. Um, it it might just work well for you. Yeah, especially if you genuinely believe it's funny. It's going to bring out your personality. It's going to make you comfortable and confident. It's going to allow those casting directors to see a really great side of you that that they need to see in order for you to land that job. So that's yeah, I mean, I've always I've always done fairly risky things. I remember when I auditioned for like Kings Island for a show at Kings Island, which they gave me a solo show after this audition. I went in and imagine you in your in your Disney hat um, sitting behind the table and some girls comes in and sings directly at you. Haircut, simply terrible necktie, ooey, the worst. And then proceeds to come and invade your space and mess with you and insult you up a storm. Now they're either going to hate you for that or they're going to hire you for that. Yeah. And they decided to give me a solo show. It wasn't all that, but <laughs> it was, you know, that was because of the, the, me making a, a very kind of gutsy choice. Wow. I didn't, I, I am not a big fan of telling students that they have to stand on a little X mark and behave themselves. You know, it depends on what you're acting out. Yeah. There's also a huge amount of power to stillness, to just being able to, to sing a song using your eyes and your yeah. face. Um, it depends on what it is. It, you know, it depends on who you're auditioning for. You know, if you're, if you're auditioning for Lady Tiang and King and I, you need to know how to do stillness. Yeah. Because you can't sing something wonderful if you're bouncing all around the stage and over gesticulating. You can't. 
<laughs> so you need to understand the power of stillness and just going inside yourself. Hmm. Um, and a lot of it just comes with maturity. It, you, there are a lot of songs, nobody 20 should be singing something wonderful or anything from Follies or most anything from Sondheim, period. It's all, <laughs> it's for older people mostly. Uh, I mean, there are exceptions to that, but it's, you know, uh, you, you, when you're 20, be 20. Be you. That's who they want to see anyway, right? They want to see yeah. you. And I think that's part of your successful auditions is that you were true to yourself. I remember going to a course call for Camelot with Faith when we were roommates. We both were standing there waiting to be typed in or, I, or typed out. She was typed in. I was typed out, as always. If there was typing going on, I was never typed in. <laughs> and, you know, she did the call and then she came home and I was just like kicking walls. I was so upset. I'm like, I'm never going to get a job. I'm never going to work. I'm never, I can't, I'm always typed out. And she just, she said, Kimmer, I forbid you to go to any more chorus calls. And I was like, but how, but how, she said, we'll find another way. And you know what? I didn't go to any more chorus calls. Wow. And I did just fine. And so did she. Yeah, <laughs> she did obviously. Well. You, did, you did just fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, but that I mean, was me, you know, like I was the dancer. Like that's, that's what I went for. That's, that's how yeah, I sure. stayed employed in my craft. I only went to chorus calls because I was the dancer who could sing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's a whole it, different the, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, so many of my friends had that exact same path as you. And so they in their 20s did a fair amount of chorus work. Um, but it also the chorus thing has changed. It's yeah. not it's not what it was then, yeah. because it is not the core. You know, the, the dancers are over here and the singers are over here. Choruses, uh, you know, Bob Fosse did that. He just kind of he kind of decided people shouldn't all have to look the same anymore. Yeah. They should look different. We should have different types of people. Yeah. in that group and, and deliberately different. So um, that's been very helpful to people like me because <laughs> I can never fit into a chorus very well. You have to, you have to do what draws out your honest self so that they can see you and want to work with you. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't work. I mean, I'll give you an example of one where I just went, yikes. <laughs> I went into audition for City of Angels, not the original, because I was busy during that one. So it was a replacement call later on down the line for the Broadway one. And they were sending me in for Uli, you know, the um, the secretary woman who has she, you know, she has the best song in the show yeah. for the women. But I looked at the show. I mean, I knew the show. I knew everybody in the show, you know, and I just went, I don't think I'm an Uli. I don't think that's who I am. I don't, I don't quite know what to do with that. So I went in to audition and it was my friend, David Zippel, who wrote the lyrics and Cy Coleman. And I can't remember who, who else was in the room, but I went in and I sang, um, I, 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 I probably had to sing just some generic song first, but then they said, now, what are you singing? You're going to sing Uli's song. And I said, could I ask a favor? I said, I really see myself more as the wife character. I kind of get her. Do you mind if I sing her song? Instead, and they're like, okay, well, here's where I made my fatal mistake. I got to the end of it, and I had, you know, knowing, well, Cy Coleman's a jazzy guy. He likes jazz. You know, he's, he, he sees himself as a jazzy guy. Well, I threw in like a little jazz riff at the end that, and he, and I finished. And I finished, and he said, well, those weren't the notes I wrote, were they? <laughs> and I went, oh. Uh. <laughs> Never mind. Sorry, sorry. 
the advice to learn from this, and my my poor friend David just was like crawling under the table going, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know if he was sorry he knew me or sorry that I was rude, but either way, I wasn't getting that job. So the thing to take away from that is if you're in the room with a composer, sing the notes he wrote. You yeah. can talk about, you know, get the job and then you can talk about if you want to add a riff here and there, <laughs> but sing the notes he wrote. I found that one out the hard way. That's great. <laughs> oh. Kim, I can't thank you enough for your time and for sharing your experiences and your advice. It's been absolutely wonderful. Thank, thank you so very much. Well, thank you, Christian. It's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. Join me, Mark Pawsey, your host for Pro Series on PerformerStuff.com with friends and colleagues from the entertainment world whom I've had the pleasure to work alongside during my illustrious show business career. Together in conversation, we share our knowledge, experiences, wisdom, and passion for the arts. From Broadway and the West End to theme parks, cruise ships, and everything in between, Pro Series will bring you tips on how we succeeded in this industry that we love and respect. Pro Series, conversations with the pros, brought to you by PerformerStuff.com. Well, there you go. The incredible Kim Criswell. Hope you enjoyed joining us in that conversation. And she's going to be back next week in our Performer Spotlight to talk about her auditions that she was a part of and landing some of those big shows and big roles. You don't want to miss Kim Criswell's story and her lessons next week in Performer Spotlight. Hey, in Professor's Corner next week, we have three-time Olivier Award winner, Tony-nominated choreographer Stephen Meir. He has choreographed all over the world in Paris and the West End and on Broadway, including Little Mermaid and Mary Poppins. You do not want to miss Mr. Stephen Mears insight on Professor's Corner next week. Also, I'll be back and you can always drop me a line uh, on Facebook at In the Holding Room or on Instagram at In the Holding Room. Hit those show notes if you want a quick link and shoot us a message. Until next time, thank you very much.